What you are about to listen to was created with an artificial voice for the audiobook initiative. On Sermon Audio, there may be mispronunciations or occasional repetitions. To report a mistake, please email us at info at sermonaudio.com and include the sermon ID or title of the message and the time at which the error occurs. We will do our best to get it corrected for future listeners. Grace abounding to the chief of sinners, or brief relation of the exceeding mercy of God in Christ to his poor servant, John Bunyan. His conversion and painful exercises of mind previous to his joining the church at Bedford. But upon a day the good providence of God did cast me to Bedford to work on my calling. And in one of the streets of that town I came where there were three or four poor women sitting at a door in the sun and talking about the things of God. And being now willing to hear them discourse, I drew near to hear what they said, for I was now a brisk talker, also myself in the matters of religion. But now I may say I heard, but I understood not, for they were far above, out of my reach, for their talk was about a new birth, the work of God on their hearts, also how they were convinced of their miserable state by nature. They talked how God had visited their souls with his love in the Lord Jesus, and with what words and promises they had been refreshed, comforted, and supported against the temptations of the devil. Moreover, they reasoned of the suggestions and temptations of Satan in particular, and told to each other by which they had been afflicted, and how they were borne up under his assault. They also discoursed of their own wretchedness of heart, of their unbelief, and did contemn, slight, and abhor their own righteousness as filthy and insufficient to do them any good. And methought they spake as if joy did make them speak. They spake with such pleasantness of scripture language and with such appearance of grace in all they said that they were to me as if they had found a new world, as if they were people that dwelt alone and were not to be reckoned among their neighbors. At this I felt my own heart began to shake, as mistrusting my condition to be not. For I saw that in all my thoughts about religion and salvation, the new birth did never enter into my mind, neither knew I the comfort of the word and promise, nor the deceitfulness and treachery of my own wicked heart. As for secret thoughts, I took no notice of them. Neither did I understand what Satan's temptations were, nor how they were to be withstood and resisted, etc. Thus, therefore, when I had heard and considered what they said, I left them and went about my employment again, but their talk and discourse went with me. Also my heart would tarry with them, for I was greatly affected with their words, both because by them I was convinced that I wanted the true tokens of a truly godly man, and also because by them I was convinced of the happy and blessed condition of him that was such a one. Therefore I should often make it my business to be going again and again into the company of these poor people, for I could not stay away, and the more I went amongst them, the more did question my condition. And as I still do remember, presently I found two things within me, at which I did sometimes marvel, especially considering what a blind, ignorant, sordid, and ungodly wretch, but just before I was, 
The one was a very great softness and tenderness of heart, which caused me to fall into the conviction of what by Scripture they asserted, and the other was a great bending in my mind to a continual meditating on it, and on all other good things which at any time I heard or read of. By these things my mind was now so turned that it lay like a horse leech at the vein, still crying out, Give! Give! Yea, it was so fixed on eternity and on the things about the kingdom of heaven, that is, so far as I knew, though as yet God knows, I knew but little, that neither pleasures nor profits nor persuasions nor threats could loosen it or make it let go his hold. And though I may speak it with shame, yet it is in very deed a certain truth. It would then have been as difficult for me to have taken my mind from heaven to earth, as I have found it often since, to get it again from earth to heaven. One thing I may not omit. There was a young man in our town, to whom my heart before was knit more than to any other, but he being a most wicked creature for cursing and swearing and warring, I now shook him off and forsook his company, but about a quarter of a year after I had left him, I met him in a certain lane and asked him how he did. He, after his old swearing and mad way, answered he was well. But Harry, said I, why do you swear and curse thus? What will become of you if you die in this condition? He answered me in a great chafe. What would the devil do for company if it were not for such as I am? About this time I met with some ranchers' books that were put forth by some of our countrymen, which books were also highly in esteem by several old professors. Some of these I read, but was not able to make a judgment about them. Wherefore, as I read in them, and thought upon them, feeling myself unable to judge, I should betake myself to hearty prayer in this manner. O Lord, I am a fool and not able to know the truth from error. Lord, leave me not to my own blindness either to approve of or condemn this doctrine. If it be of God, let me not despise it. If it be of the devil, let me not embrace it. Lord, I lay my soul in this matter only at thy foot. Let me not be deceived, I humbly beseech thee. I had one religious intimate companion all this while, and that was the poor man that I spoke of before. But about this time he also turned a most devilish ranter, and gave himself up to all manner of filthiness, especially uncleanness. He would also deny that there was a God, angel, or spirit, and would laugh at all exhortations to sobriety. When I labored to rebuke his wickedness, he would laugh the more, and pretend that he had gone through all religions, and could never light on the right till now. He told me also that in a little time I should see all professors turn to the ways of the ranters. Wherefore, abominating those cursed principles, I left his company forthwith and became to him as great a stranger as I had been before a familiar. Neither was this man only a temptation to me, but my calling lying in the country, I happened to light into several people's company, who, though strict in religion formerly, yet were also swept away by these ranters. These would also talk with me of their ways and condemn me as legal and dark, pretending that they only had attained to perfection that could do what they would and not sin. Oh, these temptations were suitable to my flesh, I being but a young man.
and my nature in its prime. But God, who had, as I hope, designed me for better things, kept me in the fear of his name, and did not suffer me to accept of such cursed principles. And blessed be God, who put it into my heart to cry to him to be kept and directed, still distrusting mine own wisdom. For I have since seen even the effect of that prayer in his preserving me not only from ranting errors, but from those also that have sprung up since. The Bible was precious to me in those days, and now methought I began to look into the Bible with new eyes and read as I never did before. And especially the epistles of the Apostle Paul were sweet and pleasant to me. And indeed I was then never out of the Bible, either by reading or meditation still crying out to God that I might know the truth and way to heaven and glory. And as I went on and read, I lighted on that passage. To one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, and to another faith, etc. And though, as I have since seen that by this scripture the Holy Ghost intends in special things extraordinary, yet on me it did then fasten with conviction that I did want things ordinary, even that understanding and wisdom that other Christians had. On this word I mused and could not tell what to do, especially this word faith put me to it, for I could not help it, but sometimes must question whether I had any faith or no for I feared that it shut me out of all the blessings that other good people had given them of God. But I was loath to conclude I had no faith in my soul. For if I do so, thought I, then I shall count myself a very castaway indeed. No, said I with myself, though I am convinced that I am an ignorant sot, and that I want those blessed gifts of knowledge and understanding that other good people have, Yet, at a venture, I will conclude I am not altogether faithless, though I know not what faith is, for it was showed me, and that too, as I have since seen by Satan, that those who conclude themselves in a faithless state have neither rest nor quiet in their souls, and I was loath to fall quite into despair. Wherefore, by this suggestion, I was for a while made afraid to see my want of faith. But God would not suffer me thus to undo and destroy my soul, but did continually, against this my blind and sad conclusion, create still within me such suppositions, insomuch that I might, in this, deceive myself." that I could not rest content until I did now come to some certain knowledge, whether I had faith or no. This always running in my mind. But how if you want faith indeed? But how can you tell you have faith? And besides, I saw for certain, if I had not, I was sure to perish forever. So that though I endeavored at the first to look over the business of faith, yet in a little time... I better considering the matter, was willing to put myself upon the trial, whether I had faith or no. But alas, poor wretch, so ignorant and brutish was I, that I knew to this day no more how to do it, 
then I know how to begin and accomplish that rare and curious piece of art which I never yet saw nor considered. Wherefore, while I was thus considering, and being put to my plunge about it, for you must know, that as yet I had in this matter broken my mind to no man, only did hear and consider. The tempter came in with his delusion, that there was no way for me to know I had faith, but by trying to work some miracle, urging those scriptures that seemed to look that way, for the enforcing and strengthening his temptation. Nay, one day as I was betwixt Elstow and Bedford, the temptation was hot upon me to try if I had faith by doing of some miracle. Which miracle at that time was this? I must say to the puddles that were in the horse pads, be dry, and to the dry places, be you the puddles. And truly, one time I was going to say so indeed. But just as I was about to speak, this thought came into my mind. But go under yonder hedge and pray first that God would make you able. But when I had concluded to pray, this came hot upon me, that if I prayed and came again and tried to do it, and yet did nothing notwithstanding, then be sure I had no faith, but was a castaway and lost. Nay, thought I, if it be so, I will never try yet, but will stay a little longer. So I continued at a great loss, for I thought, if they only had faith, which could do so wonderful things, then I concluded that for the present I neither had it, nor yet for time to come, were ever like to have it. Thus I was tossed betwixt the devil and my own ignorance, and so perplexed, especially at some times, that I could not tell what to do. About this time the state and happiness of these poor people at Bedford was thus in a dream or vision represented to me. I saw as if they were set on the sunny side of some high mountain, there refreshing themselves with the pleasant beams of the sun, while I was shivering and shrinking in the cold, afflicted with frost, snow, and dark clouds. Methought also betwixt me and them I saw a wall that did compass about this mountain. Now through this wall my soul did greatly desire to pass concluding that if I could, I would go even into the very midst of them, and there also comfort myself with the heat of their sun. About this wall I thought myself to go again and again, still prying as I went, to see if I could find some way or passage by which I might enter therein. But none could I find for some time. At the last I saw, as it were, a narrow gap, like a little doorway in the wall, through which I attempted to pass. But the passage being very straight and narrow, I made many efforts to get in, but all in vain, even until I was well nigh quite beat out by striving to get in. At last, with great striving, methought I at first did get in my head, and after that, by a sidling striving my shoulders and my whole body, then was I exceeding glad and went and sat down in the midst of them, and so was comforted with the light and heat of their sun. Now this mountain and wall, etc., was thus made out to me. The mountain signified the church of the living God, the sun that shone thereon, the comfortable shining of his merciful face on them that were therein. The wall, I thought, was the word that did make separation between the Christians and the world. And the gap which was in this wall, I thought, was Jesus Christ, who is the way to God the Father. 
But for as much as the passage was wonderful narrow, even so narrow that I could not, but with great difficulty, enter in thereat, it showed me that none could enter into life but those that were in downright earnest, and unless also they left this wicked world behind them. For here was only room for body and soul, but not for body and soul and sin. This resemblance abode upon my spirit many days, all which time I saw myself in a forlorn and sad condition, but yet was provoked to a vehement hunger and desire to be one of that number that did sit in the sunshine. Now also I should pray wherever I was, whether at home or abroad, in house or field, and should also often, with lifting up of heart, sing that of the fifty-first psalm, O Lord, consider my distress. For as yet I knew not where I was, neither as yet could I attain to any comfortable persuasion that I had faith in Christ. But instead of having satisfaction, here I began to find my soul, to be assaulted with fresh doubts about my future happiness, especially with such as these, whether I was elected. But how, if the day of grace should now be past and gone? By these two temptations I was very much afflicted and disquieted, sometimes by one and sometimes by the other of them. And first to speak of that about my questioning my election, I found at this time that though I was in a flame to find the way to heaven in glory, and though nothing could beat me off from this, yet this question did so offend and discourage me that I was, especially at some times, as if the very strength of my body also had been taken away by the force and power thereof. This scripture did also seem to me to trample upon all my desires. It is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. With this scripture I could not tell what to do. For I evidently saw that unless the great God of his infinite grace and bounty had voluntarily chosen me to be a vessel of mercy, though I should desire and long and labor until my heart did break, no good could come of it. Therefore, this would still stick with me. How can you tell that you are elected? And what if you should not? How then, Lord, thought I, what if I should not? Indeed, it may be you are not, said the tempter. It may be so, indeed, thought I. Why then, said Satan, you had as good leave off and strive no further. For if indeed you should not be elected and chosen of God, there is no talk of your being saved. For it is neither of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. By these things I was driven to my wit's end, not knowing what to say or how to answer these temptations. Indeed, I little thought that Satan had thus assaulted me, but that rather it was my own prudence thus to stock the question. For that the elect only attained eternal life that I, without scruple, did heartily close with all, but that myself was one of them, there lay all the question. Thus, therefore, for several days I was greatly assaulted and perplexed, and was often, when I have been walking, ready to sink where I went, with faintness in my mind. But one day, after I had been so many weeks oppressed and cast down therewith, as I was now quite giving up the ghost of all my hopes of ever attaining life, that sentence fell with weight upon my spirit. Look at the generations of old and see.
Did ever any trust in the Lord and was confounded? At which I was greatly lightened and encouraged in my soul. For thus at that very instant it was expounded to me, begin at the beginning of Genesis and read to the end of the Revelation, and see if you can find that there was ever any that trusted in the Lord and was confounded. So coming home, I presently went to my Bible to see if I could find that saying, not doubting, but to find it presently, for it was so fresh and with such strength and comfort on my spirit that I was as if it talked with me. Well, I looked, but I found it not, only it abode upon me. Then I did ask first this good man and then another if they knew where it was, but they knew no such place. At this I wondered that such a sentence should so suddenly and with such comfort and strength seize and abide upon my heart, and yet that none could find it, for I doubted not, but it was in Holy Scripture. Thus I continued above a year and could not find the place. But at last, casting my eye into the Apocrypha books, I found it in Ecclesiasticus 2.10. This at the first did somewhat daunt me, but because by this time I had got more experience of the love and kindness of God, it troubled me the less, especially when I considered that, though it was not in those texts that we call holy and canonical, yet forasmuch as this sentence was the sum and substance of many of the promises, it was my duty to take the comfort of it, and I bless God for that word, for it was of God to me. That word doth still at times shine before my face. After this, that other doubt did come with strength upon me. But how if the day of grace should be past and gone? How if you have overstood the time of mercy? Now I remember that one day as I was walking into the country, I was much in the thoughts of this, but how if the day of grace be past, and to aggravate my trouble, the tempter presented to my mind those good people of Bedford, and suggested thus unto me that these being converted already, they were all that God would save in those parts, and that I came too late, for these had got the blessing before I came. Now was I in great distress, thinking in very deed that this might well be so. Wherefore I went up and down, bemoaning my sad condition, counting myself far worse than a thousand fools, for standing off thus long and spending so many years in sin as I had done, still crying out, Oh, that I had turned sooner! Oh, that I had turned seven years ago! It made me also angry with myself, to think that I should have no more wit, but to trifle away my time till my soul and heaven were lost. But when I had been long vexed with this fear, and was scarce able to take one step more, just about the same place where I received my other encouragement, these words broke in upon my mind, compel them to come in, that my house may be filled, and yet there is room, these words, but especially them, and yet there is room, were sweet words to me. For truly, I thought that by them I saw there was place enough in heaven for me. And moreover, that when the Lord Jesus did speak these words, he then did think of me, and that he, knowing that the time would come, that I should be afflicted with fear that there was no place left for me in his bosom, did before speak this word and leave it upon record, 
that I might find help thereby against this vile temptations. This I then verily believed. In the light and encouragement of this word I went a pretty while, and the comfort was the more, when I thought that the Lord Jesus should think on me so long ago, and that he should speak them words on purpose for my sake. For I did then think verily that he did on purpose speak them, to encourage me withal. But I was not without my temptations to go back again. Temptations, I say, both from Satan, mine own heart, and carnal acquaintance. But I thank God these were outweighed by that sound sense of death and of the day of judgment which abode, as it were, continually in my view. I should often also think on Nebuchadnezzar, of whom it is said, he had given him all the kingdoms of the earth. Yet, thought I, if this great man had all his portion in this world, one hour in hell fire would make him forget all. Which consideration was a great help to me. I was almost made about this time to see something concerning the beasts that Moses counted clean and unclean. I thought those beasts were types of men, the clean types of them that were the people of God. But the unclean types of such as were the children of the wicked one. Now I read that the clean beasts chewed the cud. That is, thought I, they show us we must feed upon the word of God. They also parted the hoof. I thought that signified we must part if we would be saved with the ways of ungodly men. And also in further reading about them I found that though we did chew the cud as the hare, yet if we walked with claws like a dog, or if we did part the hoof like the swine, yet if we did not chew the cud as the sheep, we were still, for all that, but unclean. For I thought the hare to be a type of those that talk of the word, yet walk in the ways of sin, and that the swine was like him that parteth with his outward pollutions, but still wanteth the word of faith, without which there could be no way of salvation. Let a man be never so devout. After this I found, by reading the word, that those that must be glorified with Christ in another world must be called by him here, called to the partaking of a share in his word and righteousness, and to the comforts and first fruits of his spirit, and to a peculiar interest in all those heavenly things which do indeed forfeit the soul for that rest and house of glory which is in heaven above. Here again I was at a very great stand, not knowing what to do, fearing I was not called. For, thought I, if I be not called, what then can do me good? None but those who are effectually called inherit the kingdom of heaven. But, oh... How I now loved those words that spake of a Christian's calling, as when the Lord said to one, Follow me, and to another, Come after me. And, oh, thought I, that he would say so to me too, how gladly would I run after him. Cannot now express with what longings and breakings in my soul I cried to Christ to call me. Thus I continued for a time, all in a flame, to be converted to Jesus Christ, and did also see at that day such glory in a converted state that I could not be contented without a share therein. Goal! Could it have been gotten for gold? What could I have given for it? 
Had I had a whole world, it had all gone ten thousand times over for this, that my soul might have been in a converted state. How lovely now was everyone in my eyes that I thought to be converted men and women. They shone. They walked like a people that carried the broad seal of heaven about them. Oh, I saw the lot was fallen to them in pleasant places, and they had a goodly heritage. But that which made me sick was that of Christ. In Mark he went up into a mountain and called to him whom he would, and they came unto him. This scripture made me faint and fear, yet it kindled fire in my soul. That which made me fear was this, lest Christ should have no liking to me, for he called whom he would. But, oh, the glory that I saw in that condition did still so engage my heart that I could seldom read of any that Christ did call, but I presently wished would I had been in their clothes. Would I had been born Peter? Would I had been born John? Or would I had been by and had heard him when he called them? How would I have cried, O Lord, call me also? But, oh, I feared he would not call me. And truly the Lord let me go thus many months together and showed me nothing, either that I was already or should be called hereafter. But at last, after much time spent and many groans to God, that I might be made partaker of the holy and heavenly calling, that word came in upon me, I will cleanse their blood that I have not cleansed, for the Lord dwelleth in Zion." These words I thought were sent to encourage me to wait still upon God, and signified unto me that if I were not already, yet time might come, I might be in truth converted unto Christ. About this time I began to break my mind to those poor people in Bedford, and to tell them my condition, which, when they had heard, they told Mr. Gifford of me, who himself also took occasion to talk with me, and was willing to be well persuaded of me, though I think but from little grounds. But he invited me to his house, where I should hear him confer with others about the dealings of God with the soul, from all which I still received more conviction, and from that time began to see something of the vanity and inward wretchedness of my wicked heart, for as yet I knew no great matter therein. But now it began to be discovered unto me, and also to work at that rate for wickedness as it never did before. Now I evidently found that lusts and corruptions would strongly put forth themselves within me in wicked thoughts and desires which I did not regard before. My desires also for heaven and life began to fail. I found also that Whereas before my soul was full of longing after God, now my heart began to hanker after every foolish vanity. Yea, my heart would not be moved to mind that that was good. It began to be careless, both of my soul and heaven. It would now continually hang back, both to and in every duty, and was as a clog on the leg of a bird to hinder her from flying. Nay, thought I, now I grow worse and worse, now am I further from conversion than ever I was before. Wherefore I began to sink greatly in my soul, and began to entertain such discouragement in my heart as laid me low as hell. If now I should have burned at a stake, I could not believe that Christ had love for me. Alas, I could neither hear him, nor see him, nor feel him, nor savor any of his things. 
I was driven as with a tempest. My heart would be unclean. The Canaanites would dwell in the land. Sometimes I would tell my condition to the people of God, which when they heard, they would pity me and would tell me of the promises. But they had as good have told me that I must reach the sun with my finger as have bidden me receive or rely upon the promise. And as soon as I should have done it, all my sense and feeling was against me. And I saw I had a heart that would sin and that lay under a law that would condemn. These things have often made me think of that child which the Father brought to Christ, who, while he was yet a-coming to him, was thrown down by the devil, and also so rent and torn by him that he lay and wallowed, foaming. Further in these days I should find my heart to shut itself up against the Lord and against his holy word. I have found my unbelief to set, as it were, the shoulder to the door to keep him out. And that too, even then, when I have with many a bitter sigh cried, Good Lord, break it open. Lord, break these gates of brass and cut these bars of iron asunder. Yet that word would sometimes create in my heart a peaceable pause. I girded thee, though thou hast not known me. But all this while as to the act of sinning, I never was more tender than now. I durst not take a pin or a stick, though, but so big as a straw, for my conscience now was sore and would smart at every touch. I could not now tell how to speak my words, for fear I should misplace them. Oh, how gingerly did I then go in all I did or said. I found myself as on a miry bog that shook if I did but stir, and was there left both of God and Christ and the Spirit and all good things. But I observe, though I was such a great sinner before conversion, yet God never much charged the guilt of the sins of my ignorance upon me. Only he showed me I was lost if I had not Christ, because I had been a sinner. I saw that I wanted a perfect righteousness to present me without fault before God, and this righteousness was nowhere to be found but in the person of Jesus Christ. But my original and inward pollution, that, that was my plague and my affliction, that, I say, at a dreadful rate, always putting forth itself within me, that I had the guilt of, to amazement, by reason of that I was more loathsome in my own eyes than was a toad, and I thought I was so in God's eyes too. Sin and corruption, I said, would as naturally bubble out of my heart as water would bubble out of a fountain. I thought now that everyone had a better heart than I had. I could have changed heart with anybody. I thought none but the devil himself could equalize me for inward wickedness and pollution of mind. I fell, therefore, at the sight of my own vileness deeply into despair, for I concluded that this condition that I was in could not stand with the state of grace. Sure, thought I, I am forsaken of God. Sure, I am given up to the devil and to a reprobate mind, and thus I continued a long while, even for some years together. While I was thus afflicted with the fears of my own damnation, there were two things would make me wonder. The one was when I saw old people hunting after the things of this life, as if they should live here always. 
The other was when I found professors much distressed and cast down when they met with outward losses, as of husband, wife, child, etc. Lord, thought I, what ado is here about such little things as these? What seeking after carnal things by some, and what grief in others for the loss of them? If they so much labor after and spend so many tears for the things of this present life, how am I to be bemoaned, pitied, and prayed for? My soul is dying, my soul is damning. Were my soul but in a good condition, and were I but sure of it? Ah, how rich should I esteem myself, though blessed but with bread and water. I should count those but small afflictions, and should bear them as little burdens. A wounded spirit who can bear, and though I was thus troubled and tossed and afflicted with the sight and sense and terror of my own wickedness, yet I was afraid to let this sight and sense go quite off my mind, for I found that unless guilt of conscience was taken off the right way, that is, by the blood of Christ, a man grew rather worse for the loss of his trouble of mind than better. Wherefore, if my guilt lay hard upon me, then I should cry that the blood of Christ might take it off. And if it was going off without it, for the sense of sin would be sometimes as if it would die and go quite away, then I would also strive to fetch it upon my heart again, by bringing the punishment for sin in hellfire upon my spirits, and should cry, Lord, let it not go off my heart, but the right way, but by the blood of Christ, and by the application of thy mercy through him to my soul. For that scripture lay much upon me, without shedding of blood is no remission. And that which made me the more afraid of this was, because I had seen some who, though when they were under wounds of conscience, then they would cry and pray, but they seeking rather present ease from their trouble then pardon for their sin, cared not how they lost their guilt, so they got it out of their mind. And therefore, having got it off the wrong way, it was not sanctified unto them. But they grew harder and blinder and more wicked after their trouble. This made me afraid and made me cry to God the more that it might not be so with me. And now was I sorry that God had made me a man, for I feared I was a reprobate. I counted man as unconverted, the most doleful of all the creatures. Thus being afflicted and tossed about my sad condition, I counted myself alone and above the most of men unblessed. Yea, I thought it impossible that ever I should attain to so much goodness of heart as to thank God that he had made me a man. Man indeed is the most noble by creation of all creatures in the visible world but by sin he had made himself the most ignoble. The beasts, birds, fishes, etc., I blessed their condition, for they had not a sinful nature. They were not obnoxious to the wrath of God. They were not to go to hellfire after death. I could therefore have rejoiced had my condition been as any of theirs. In this condition I went a great while. But when comforting time was come, I heard one preach a sermon upon those words in the Behold, thou art fair, my love. Behold, thou art fair. But at that time he made these two words, my love, his chief and subject matter.
from which, after he had a little opened the text, he observed these several conclusions. One, that the church, and so every saved soul, is Christ's love when loveless. Two, Christ's love without a cause. Three, Christ's love when hated of the world. Four, Christ's love when under temptation and under desertion. Five, Christ's love from first to last. But I got nothing by what he said at present, only when he came to the application of the fourth particular. This was the word he said, If it be so that the saved soul is Christ's love when under temptation and desertion, then, poor tempted soul, when thou art assaulted and afflicted with temptation and the hidings of God's face, yet think on these two words, my love, still. So as I was a-going home, these words came again into my thoughts. And I well remember as they came in, I said thus in my heart, What shall I get by thinking on these two words? This thought had no sooner passed through my heart, but the words began thus to kindle in my spirit. Thou art my love, thou art my love, twenty times together. And still as they ran thus in my mind, they waxed stronger and warmer and began to make me look up. But being as yet between hope and fear, I still replied in my heart, But is it true? But is it true? At which... That sentence fell in upon me. He wist not that it was true which was done by the angel. Then I began to give place to the word, which with power did over and over make this joyful sound within my soul. Thou art my love, thou art my love, and nothing shall separate thee from my love. And with that came into my mind, now was my heart filled full of comfort and hope, and now I could believe that my sins should be forgiven me. Yea, I was now so taken with the love and mercy of God that I remember I could not tell how to contain till I got home. I thought I could have spoken of his love and of his mercy to me, even to the very crows that sat upon the plowed lands before me, had they been capable to have understood me. Wherefore I said in my soul with much gladness, Well, I would. I had a pen and ink here. I would write this down before I go any further. For surely I will not forget this forty years hence. But alas, within less than forty days I began to question all again, which made me begin to question all still. Yet still at times I was helped to believe that it was a true manifestation of grace unto my soul, though I had lost much of the life and savor of it. Now about a week or fortnight after this, I was much followed by this scripture, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you. And sometimes it would sound so loud within me, yea, and as it were called so strongly after me, that once above all the rest I turned my head over my shoulder, thinking verily that some man had behind me called to me, being at a great distance, methought he called so loud. It came, as I have thought since, to have stirred me up to prayer and to watchfulness. It came to acquaint me that a cloud and a storm was coming down upon me, but I understood it not. Also, as I remember, the time that it called to me so loud was the last time that it sounded in mine ear. 
But methinks I hear still with what a loud voice these words, Simon, Simon, sounded in mine ears. I thought verily, as I have told you, that somebody had called after me that was half a mile behind me. And although that was not my name, yet it made me suddenly look behind me, believing that he that called so loud meant me. But so foolish was I, and ignorant that I knew not the reason of this sound, which, as I did both see and feel soon after, was sent from heaven as an alarm, to awaken me to provide for what was coming. Only it would make me muse and wonder in my mind, to think what should be the reason that this scripture, and that at this rate, so often and so loud, should still be sounding and rattling in mine ears. But, as I said before, I soon have to perceive the end of God therein. For about the space of a month after, a very great storm came down upon me, which humbled me twenty times worse than all I had met with before. It came stealing upon me now by one piece, then by another. First, all my comfort was taken from me, then darkness seized upon me, after which whole floods of blasphemies, both against God, Christ, and the Scriptures, were poured upon my spirit, to my great confusion and astonishment. These blasphemous thoughts were such as also stirred up questions in me against the very being of God and of His only beloved Son, as whether there were in truth a God or Christ or no, and whether the Holy Scriptures were not rather a fable and cunning story than the holy and pure Word of God. The tempter would also much assault me with this, how can you tell but that the Turks had as good scriptures to prove their Muhammad the Savior as we have to prove our Jesus is? And could I think that so many ten thousands in so many countries and kingdoms should be without the knowledge of the right way to heaven? If there were indeed a heaven, and that we only who live in a corner of the earth should alone be blessed therewith, Everyone doth think his own religion rightest, both Jews and Moors and pagans. And how if all our faith and Christ and scriptures should be but a think so too. Sometimes I have endeavored to argue against these suggestions and to set some of the sentences of blessed Paul against them. But alas, I quickly fell when I thus did. Such arguings as these would return again upon me, though we made so great a matter of Paul and of his words, yet how could I tell but that in very deed he being a subtle and cunning man might give himself up to deceive with strong delusions and also take both that pains and travel to undo and destroy his fellows. These suggestions with many other which at this time I may not, nor dare not utter, neither by word nor pen, did make such a seizure upon my spirit, and did so overweigh my heart, both with their number, continuance, and fiery force, that I felt as if there were nothing else but these from morning to night within me, and as though indeed there could be room for nothing else and also concluded that God had in very wrath to my soul given me up unto them to be carried away with them as with a mighty whirlwind. Only by the distaste that they gave unto my spirit I felt there was something in me that refused to embrace them. But this consideration I then only had 
when God gave me leave to swallow my spittle, otherwise the noise and strength and force of these temptations would drown and overflow, and as it were bury all such thoughts or the remembrance of any such thing. While I was in this temptation, I should often find my mind suddenly put upon it, to curse and swear, or to speak some grievous thing against God, or Christ his Son, and of the Scriptures. Now I thought, surely I am possessed of the devil. At other times again, I thought I should be bereft of my wits. For instead of lauding and magnifying God the Lord with others, if I had but heard him spoken of, presently some most horrible blasphemous thought or other would bolt out of my heart against him, so that whether I did think that God was or again did think there were no such thing, no love, nor peace, nor gracious disposition could I feel within me. These things did sink me into very deep despair, for I concluded that such things could not possibly be found amongst them that loved God. I often, when these temptations have been with force upon me, did compare myself in the case of such a child, whom some gypsy hath by force took up under her apron, and is carrying from friend and country. Kick sometimes I did, and also scream and cry. But yet I was as bound in the wings of the temptation, and the wind would carry me away. I thought also of Saul, and of the evil spirit that did possess him, and did greatly fear that my condition was the same with that of his. In these days, when I have heard others talk of what was the sin against the Holy Ghost, then would the tempter so provoke me to desire to sin that sin, that I was as if I could not, must not, neither should be quiet until I had committed that. Now no sin would serve but that. If it were to be committed by speaking of such a word, then I have been as if my mouth would have spoken that word, whether I would or no. And in so strong a measure was this temptation upon me, that often I have been ready to clap my hand under my chin, to hold my mouth from opening. And to that end also I have had thoughts at other times, to leap with my head downward into some muck-hill hole or other to keep my mouth from speaking. Now I blessed the condition of the dog and toad, and counted the estate of everything that God had made far better than this dreadful state of mine, and such as my companion's was. Yea, gladly would I have been in the condition of dog or horse, for I knew they had no soul to perish under the everlasting weights of hell for sin, as mine was like to do. Nay, and though I saw this, felt this, and was broken to pieces with it, yet that which added to my sorrow was that I could not find that with all my soul I did desire deliverance. That scripture did also tear and rend my soul in the midst of these distractions. The wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. And now my heart was at times exceeding hard. If I would have given a thousand pounds for a tear, I could not shed one. No, nor sometimes scarce desire to shed one. I was much dejected to think that this should be my lot. I saw some could mourn and lament their sin, and others again could rejoice and bless God for Christ, and others again could quietly talk of and with gladness remember the word of God, while I only was in the storm or tempest. 
This much sunk me. I thought my condition was alone. I should therefore much bewail my hard hap, but get out of or get rid of these things I could not. While this temptation lasted, which was about a year, I could attend upon none of the ordinances of God but with sore and great affliction. Yea, then was I most distressed with blasphemies. If I have been hearing the word, then uncleanness, blasphemies, and despair would hold me as captive there. If I had been reading, then sometimes I had sudden thoughts to question all I read. Sometimes again my mind would be so strangely snatched away and possessed with other things that I have neither known nor regarded, nor remembered so much as the sentence that but now I have read. In prayer also I have been greatly troubled at this time. Sometimes I have thought I should see the devil, nay, thought I have felt him, behind me pull my clothes, he would be also continually at me in the time of prayer to have done. Break off, make haste, you have prayed enough, and stay no longer, still drawing my mind away. Sometimes also he would cast in such wicked thoughts as these, that I must pray to him or for him. I have thought sometimes of that, fall down, or if thou wilt fall down and worship me, also when, because I have had wandering thoughts in the time of this duty, I have labored to compose my mind and fix it upon God, then with great force hath the tempter labored to distract me and confound me and to turn away my mind by presenting to my heart and fancy the form of a bush, a bull, a besom, or the like, as if I should pray to those, to these he would also at sometimes especially so hold my mind that I was as if I could think of nothing else, or pray to nothing else but to these, or such as they. Yet, at times I should have some strong and heart-affecting apprehensions of God and the reality of the truth of his gospel. But, oh, how would my heart, at such times, put forth itself with inexpressible groanings? My whole soul was then in every word. I should cry with pangs after God that he would be merciful unto me. But then I should be daunted again with such conceits as these. I should think that God did mock at these my prayers, saying, and that in the audience of the holy angels, this poor simple wretch doth hanker after me as if I had nothing to do with my mercy, but to bestow it on such as he. Alas, poor fool, how art thou deceived? It is not for such as thee to have a favor with the highest. Then hath the tempter come upon me, also with such discouragements as these. You are very hot for mercy, but I will cool you. This frame shall not last always. Many have been as hot as you for a spirit, but I have quenched their zeal. And with this such and such who were fallen off would be set before mine eyes. Then I should be afraid that I should do so too. But thought I, I am glad this comes into my mind. Well, I will watch and take what heed I can. Though you do, said Satan, I shall be too hard for you. I will cool you insensibly, by degrees, by little and little. What care I, saith he, though I be seven years in chilling your heart if I can do it at last. Continue a rocking will lull a crying child asleep. 
I will ply it close, but I will have my end accomplished. Though you be burning hot at present, yet, if I can pull you from this fire, I shall have you cold before it be long. These things brought me into great straits. For as I at present could not find myself fit for present death, so I thought to live long would make me yet more unfit. For time would make me forget all, and where even the remembrance of the evil of sin, the worth of heaven, and the need I had of the blood of Christ to wash me, both out of mind and thought. But I thank Christ Jesus these things did not at present make me slack my crying, but rather did put me more upon it, like her who met with the adulterer. In which days that was a good word to me after I had suffered these things a while. I am persuaded that neither height nor depth nor life, etc., shall separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. And now I hope long life should not destroy me, nor make me miss of heaven. Yet I had some supports in this temptation, though they were then all questioned by me, that in the third of Jeremiah, at the first was something to me, and so was the consideration of the fifth verse of that chapter, that though we have spoken and done as evil things as we could, yet we should cry unto God, My Father, now art the guide of my youth, and should return unto him. Had also once a sweet glance from that, in 2 Corinthians 5:21, for he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin? that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. I remember also that one day as I was sitting in a neighbor's house and there very sad at the consideration of my many blasphemies, and as I was saying in my mind, what ground have I to think that I, who have been so vile and abominable, should ever inherit eternal life? That word came suddenly upon me. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? That also was in help unto me, because I live. Ye shall live also. But these were but hints, touches, and short visits, though very sweet when present. Only they lasted not. But, like to Peter's sheet, of a sudden were caught up from me to heaven again. But afterwards the Lord did more fully and graciously discover himself unto me and indeed did quite not only deliver me from the guilt that by these things was laid upon my conscience, but also from the very filth thereof. For the temptation was removed, and I was put into my right mind again, as other Christians were. Remember that one day as I was traveling into the country and musing on the wickedness and blasphemy of my heart and considering of the enmity that was in me to God that scripture came in my mind, he hath made peace through the blood of his cross, by which I was made to see both again and again and again that day that God and my soul were friends by this blood. Yea, I saw that the justice of God and my sinful soul could embrace and kiss each other through this blood. This was a good day to me. I hope I shall not forget it. At another time, as I sat by the fire in my house and musing on my wretchedness, the Lord made that also a precious word unto me, for as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same.
that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver them who, through fear of death, were all their lifetime subject to bondage. I thought that the glory of these words was then so weighty on me that I was, both once and twice, ready to swoon as I sat, yet not with grief and trouble, but with solid joy and peace.